Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Timonini. Matt Timonini, I am back in New York City. What? It feels fresh. Wait, the hold on. The air is hold crisp. On Are you in New York City? I live basically in New York. You do. You could, you could skip a rock to New York. You can ask Ellen Marsh. We basically live in New York. Basically. I don't live with Ellen Marsh, even though we used to take the bus together and she doesn't know that. I could text her right now and ask. She doesn't know my face. She oh. doesn't know. Okay. I tried to not look over her shoulder once. She was sitting next to me. We were definitely going into the city for a certain call. And I felt like I knew like she was tweeting something. And then she actually ended up tweeting something funny about the bus ride. And I was like, girl, I was there. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm back in New York and I had a really, really wonderful kind of like stay theatricalcation in Chicago. I got to see a lot of things. I got to experience like, honestly, kind of a, kind of a quarantine because numbers were getting kind of kukuluku and I had to be safe. Um, but in the meantime, I did get to see, you know, the national tour of Oklahoma, of Frozen, of, uh, you know, Steppenwolf. I got to see it. Oh, and then Pretty Woman. I got to see a couple tours. Which originally uh, featured Alan Marsh on Broadway. It really did. And I just want to say that I am sitting directly next to Kyle Taylor Parker's Broadway Soul Volume 2, presented by Broadway Records, not a plug, simply to say that I really love this album, but getting to see him in Pretty Woman, he is the star of that show. And if you have the chance to see him on stage, I'm not going to say just (laughs) I'm saying if you want to see Kyle Taylor Parker on stage, which everyone should once in their life, try to catch him but in the meantime you can listen to his records because they're freaking phenomenal mm-hmm. anyways uh let's get into some news shall we we shall so first in broadway news the late stephen joshua sondheim left behind an estate that is now estimated to be worth around 75 million dollars uh the fact that this was in the post like i was reading it and thinking like i can't fathom 75 million dollars but if anybody deserved it it's stephen sondheim <laughs> So that's what his estate is worth. Yeah. Yeah. There have been times in my adult life where I couldn't fathom $75. So like $75 million seems exorbitant to me. But yes, virtually deserved. If you have ever lived off of dollar slice pizza, you understand what Matt just said. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, you know, he left it to his his late husband or his husband, Jeff Romley, some charitable organizations, friends, collaborators. Um, You know, he designated his wealth, his rights to his music and literary works and everything else to go to the Stephen J. Sondheim Revocable Trust. James Lapine is also listed as a beneficiary. The Smithsonian Institute is a beneficiary in the trust. The Museum of New York City, the Library of Congress, the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts, the Dramatist Guild Fund and the Irish Repertory Theater Company. That one threw me for a loop, but honestly, go off. Uh, Sondheim also named the Stephen Sondheim Foundation as a beneficiary um and then the but they're basically saying that like that foundation has yet to be created so that will come i'm sure very soon um even though these things take a very long time mm-hmm. um having dealt with like being an executor of an estate in my early 20s <laughs> which was insane um the an estate like this will take perhaps years to really go through and uh, and you know because i think that even like the the smithsonian had not yet been alerted that they were a beneficiary so um it was it's really exciting to see all of the charitable um you know the way he's uh 
designated all of his wealth. It's it's really great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was planning things for a few years now. Uh, this will he was, was actually did- Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, um, but, you know, it sounds like he this came out, uh, this will came together like three years ago. So he probably changed mm-hmm. it multiple times. Um, but this is interesting. I'm you know, the thing that kind of interested me the most out of this is the whole Stephen Sondheim Foundation. I'm really interested to see what that will be, who will be involved with that, what it will do. Um you know, we've seen like the Jonathan Larson Foundation, you know, really mm. make a, a huge impact for up and coming musical theater writers. I can imagine that with portions of a seventy five million dollar trust, um, you could really do a lot of really good for for uh, tons of people in the community. Um, I have no idea what this is going to be, but I mm. am uh, looking forward to learning more. There you go. So joining this new iteration of the Tina Turner Broadway cast beginning February 4th is Natasha Yvette Williams. So Natasha will assume the role of Zelma, Tina Turner's mom. Uh, The original Broadway cast member, uh, Dawn Lewis, plays her final performance on January 30th. So catch her before she leaves if you want to see. Natasha was recently seen on Broadway in Chicken and Biscuits, Chicago, Waitress, and then like a ton of other Broadway things. So good for her. Yeah, and I've got to say, like, seeing Don Lewis in this show was such a cool thing for me who grew up watching her on TV. Um, Like, watching her in uh, On a Different World and then watching her on Hanging with Mr. Cooper, like, those were shows to me that, like, those were important in my my childhood. So like the fact that I got to see her do this um, on Broadway was a, a ton of fun for me. And what was fun about it is, is that mm. I went into the show, did not realize that she was in it until I opened up my playbill and I was like, holy crap, Don Lewis is in this. And I don't even know that I knew her name, but like I saw her face and I was like, oh, crap. So this was a very cool thing. I'm very excited to see what she does uh you know what she does next she does a lot of voice work which makes a ton of sense um but very very cool that she had the opportunity to do this and i'm very glad that i got to see her oh that's sweet man made my heart feel warm so in off-broadway news that i feel like matt could go and talk about and and honestly twitter twitter has been talking about this all dadgum day and we have to talk about it right now so the office a musical parody and the long-running off-Broadway perfect crime you're familiar both running at the theater center at 2010 West 50th Street you know where it is they have experienced a literal crime due to what's that copper pipe theft burglars broke into the vacant restaurant this is all this is from the report because I have to read this almost verbatim because it is absolutely as we say in the industry, Kukuluku, um, burglars broke into the vacant restaurant below the theater center in order to access the basement. Then they disconnected the and stole copper pipes that direct water to the sinks and toilets, as well as the boiler that provides the building's heat. The front doors to the theater on 50th were smashed early this morning. And then repairs for the doors and all of that is probably going to cost around like $25,000 minimum. And it's going to take several days to do, um, assuming that they're just going to like, I don't know, fork over 25K. I guess you can. I don't know how money works. Um, Theater Center hopes to to be able to resume performances this Thursday for Perfect Crime and the Office musical parody. 
Um, the crime master herself, Catherine Russell, who's performed in perfect crime since 1987 was quoted to say, we will be getting new and improved pipes. The owners have installed better locks and lots of extra security in the building. And instead of going on stage myself this weekend, I went to see a Broadway show. Did she name the show? She didn't. She good, really didn't. Good for you, Catherine. Um, yeah, this was actually something that we talked about a lot in the early days of of Today on Broadway, because this thing is... Copper pipe theft? <laughs> I wish we were talking about that instead of a perfect the perfect crime oh. or whatever it's called. Um this show is ridiculous. And if you are unfamiliar with why this thing is ridiculous, I'm going to throw something into the show notes. It is um, mm. episode number 51 from the podcast Reply All. Um, they did a whole episode about this show and then kind of broke off of it. Um, oh. But this show is... Um, I almost, I've never seen it, but uh, I've... Okay, Matt, we you and I... I'm saying it right now. Okay. You and I are going to see this show. Okay, let's do it. I've wanted I don't know to when for a it long is. Yeah. I know. Well, now I have to because I need them to help pay for that door. Yeah, I know exactly. Well, I mean, like this episode of of Reply All, like they got Lonnie Price to talk about it. Holy. Yeah. So I mean, like it's it's bonkers. It's weird. And the whole point of this episode is how is like Yelp reviews and talking about like the Yelp reviews about this show are so horrible that um, but it still keeps going. And they talk to Catherine. It's just ridiculous. Um, I, and I'm sure I'm mis misremembering some of the details because this was back in like 2016 that this episode came out. All right. So we're going to stay off Broadway because Matt sent me a tweet right before we started recording and I was like, oh, hold up, what? Uh, so according to Ilana Keller on Twitter, at Stomp NYC, so Stomp, off-Broadway, will drop to four performances a week from February 1st until March 29th. They said in a statement, we are grateful that this could be worked out for the cast, crew, and landlord. We look forward to resuming an eight-performance schedule in the spring at the Orpheum Theater home. So I, I you know, Honestly, smart. I don't know why a lot of theaters aren't doing this in like the downtimes. I just, you know, I hope and I know it will cost performers and crew their monies. Um, but yeah, so I guess it ma it makes sense. But four performances a week. What is that? Just the weekend, probably? Um yeah, probably Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday, or maybe two Saturday, two Sunday. Um, that did, she was basically quoting a press release that had just gone yeah. out, and I've seen it elsewhere. You know, I think that it, it, I don't know if Stomp folks are equity or are they musicians. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but I obviously I think this would probably not work with you know Broadway shows just because of contracts but maybe mm -hmm. it would I don't know I, I'm not sure you know we've seen this with shows shutting down and then opening planning to open back up in the spring or summer this is kind of a version of that I, I'm torn like you said like this really sucks for people who will now either be making half of a wage or no wage at all if they have to cut down a number of people in like front of house and stuff yeah. but it's also probably still better than closing. So I I don't know I don't know. I'm torn on these things. Like I want to see things being smart and continuing to figure out ways to be profitable or at least break even so that they can continue mm -hmm. to run for years to come. But it also sucks in the moment for a lot of people. This is also just like a trial and error moment for a lot of 100%, for, honestly for for all theater because we we we've, we've well we've never been in this, right? 
So I want it to work. And I also just like want our theater scene to continue to thrive, not just on Broadway, you know, that, that cannot be the only theater in New York that seems to survive. Mm-hmm. So the more we can help, the more we can help. So uh, in the, the National Endowment for the Arts, which I feel like we talk about all the time, but then we don't actually talk about like what happens with it. <laughs> um, they've just announced their first round of recommended uh, awards, totaling nearly $33 million. Uh, the grant winners span 15 different disciplines, artistic styles. They have different communities in, in each state, D.C., including D.C. and Puerto Rico, which I appreciate that they you know clarified that, you know, full, full uh, coverage. And then among the grants, 164 are for theater institutions and 34 for musical theater companies. So we'll see how that's delegated in this first quarter. But um, I like it when money goes to arts, Dan. Yeah, that's great. How much and to add there? <laughs> no, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we hear so much about certain political groups wanting to shut down the NEA, but the NEA is effectively an organization that is passing out money to small businesses. And this is yeah. a, a really good thing. I wish it was a lot more than $33.2 million. I wish it was um, 10 times that. And granted, this is the first round of recommended awards, but like more. You know, this is going to be a topic that I did an interview um about that'll be coming up in a special special thing that has not been announced um coming up here in a few weeks but uh we we need more we need more investment in the arts community to help us uh navigate ourselves out of this pandemic both from an arts community and for uh, and as a country yeah fork it over people that was my nice way of saying that. Well done. Um, and then finally, in a recommendation that I really, really love, and I will get into why I love all parts of it. Um, if you didn't see, there is a video being shared on Twitter, Instagram, all over of Jonathan Freeman's last performance, kind of like the curtain speech uh, at Aladdin on Broadway. Jonathan Freeman, if you're not familiar, is the original voice from 30 years ago of Jafar in the film uh, in the cartoon of Latin. And he is the only person as Don Daryl Rivera, mm-hmm. Filipino icon to the stars, realtor of New Jersey by day. Um, really? I didn't know Iago. That. Yeah. Iago on Broadway by night, who has been with the production since they started in uh, St. Was it St. Louis, San Diego? Where, where they, they had multiple, they had multiple out of towns out of town. with different casts. Like at one point, John Tartaglia was in it. And so I'm yeah. not sure which one he was in, but I know Jonathan Freeman was in Seattle, which is where I, th- I believe yeah. that James Monroe yes. Iglehart was as well. And that's where DDR started, but he does this great curtain speech, um, uh, talking about honoring Jonathan Freeman and how he's the only person in Disney's legacy and history to voice a character for a cartoon film. And then, be that same character on stage. It has never happened. Kristen Bell did not show up to play Anna in Frozen on Broadway. This is unheard of, and he does it in such an incredible way. He passed the the torch, if you will, to Dennis Stowe, who has been in the production also forever, um, who has been one of his covers, and it's now assuming the role of Jafar full-time, which is awesome. But this cast is such an incredible family. Like I, I really wish I could <laughs> explain to you all how kind and warm. And there's a reason that most of the people in that show have stayed with it for eight plus years is because they created a family. And so if you're ever able to go to Agrabah right now, it's two for one tickets. They are not paying me to hawk this show. They don't need it. It's Disney. But the the video will warm your heart. 
And um, it's it's really something special. Yeah, oh, that's that's lovely. I, I really yeah. enjoyed watching <laughs> it. And those are the types of things between this and the, the come from away Emily Walton video that Ashley and I yeah. talked about yesterday. It's like we need more of that. Like that's that's the stuff I need in my feed and in my life. Oh, and, and I don't know if you saw just because we're talking about Disney that, that made me cry. Um, if you were able to see like the, I don't know, viral Disney uh, the frozen uh, swing day video of um, Jeremy Morse, who you and I have both seen in, in waitress probably dozens of times um, when he went on for Ogie, but uh, he plays, he plays Wesel, the Duke of Weaseltown <laughs> in frozen. And he recognized the fact that on stage at that particular performance on swing day for the national <laughs> tour of frozen, six out of the seven principals were swings and covers that night and on swing day. And so he was they were able to honor literally everybody because whether it was, you know, a a small like COVID relation or if it was a a freak incident of, you know, this person had to be out. And then this person, I don't know, is married to another person who needed to be out and they needed to be there for them. You know, there's a hundred different reasons, but um, it was just so cool to see these people honored like truly, you know, like you got to see all of them on stage, which I feel like we don't get to bring swings on stage often um, because they are, I don't know backstage ready to be swung on so the point is is that like the more we can see these videos like the emily walton video i think the more we have i don't know proof of humanity in the arts <laughs> and on that note thank you so much for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio and don't forget about our patreon that's patreon.com slash broadway radio i don't know if you guys have noticed but we are sharing so much content on our social media channels. So please, please, please engage with that if you are enjoying it. You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow. 